1: cheese heads get on your feet it's curd and law hosted by sparky
0: Fighter and ryan horvath
1: Welcome in to another edition of Kurt and Long. See Sparky Pfeiffer, Ryan Horvath, his big voice guy just said. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out the interviews and stuff I do over at 1250amthefan.com. My guy Ryan Horvath, bet MGM Tonight, weeknights. Him, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu, Monday through Friday. While you're watching the games, have them on in the background. They can give you some betting advice, in-game betting advice. Maybe look ahead to West Coast games. We're talking about college basketball or whatever the case may be. Follow Ryan Horvath on Twitter. Uh, at Ryan Horvat as well. Uh, Ryan was not here on Monday, so let's catch up uh, with Ryan on his thoughts uh, now that he's probably calmed down a little bit uh, after the Packers lose to the Giants on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I felt a little
0: slimy. I wasn't too heartbroken over it. I mean, disappointing loss, but I bet the Giants plus seven. And then that night we do the show from uh, BetMGM, uh MGM National Harbor, out in Maryland, and I bet the Giants, again, at plus six. They closed all the way down to five and a half, so they were taking money. I didn't think Green Bay was going to lose the game outright to Tommy DeVito and this Giants team, who was four and eight coming into the game, now five and eight, obviously. But, uh, man, I, I just I didn't know how, how they were six-point favorites on the road. The Giants, like the Packers were beat up in that game, right? No Jair Alexander, no Christian Watson, obviously, no Aaron Jones. Uh, And then the Giants were coming off the bye, so they had 14 days to prepare. But still, I didn't think that they were going to lose that game just because Jordan Love, you know, the week before against a really good or a pretty good, I should say, Kansas City defense was blitzed 16 times. The blitz only got home three times, and Jordan Love picked picked apart the blitz. So, you know, I thought with, you know, Wink Martindale kind of having the same MO as I watched Jordan Love throw an interception, a bad interception right there in the first half. He
1: never saw the safety. You could no. you could read his lips and said I never saw the safety. He never he never saw him. I, I, he never obviously looked off the safety either because the safety was on that side of the field to begin when the play started. The floor is pissed.
0: Um, and so yeah, I was on the air during this game, and I've watched the all twenty two, and now I'm just you know rewatching it while we do the pod. But um, you know it's just like Jordan Love was rough in the first half. Still, I'm not going to put this loss on Jordan Love because he played good enough in the second half to win the game, right? Like he made plays. He was captain comeback. Once again, it reminded you a little bit of Rob Rogers first season, right? Where the defense lets you down, the giants win with a walk-off field goal. So, uh, you know, disappointed with the defense, Tommy DeVito looked like Mike Vick out there. He was 17 to 21 passing 158 passing yards. That is what it is, but he had 71 rushing yards. He had a touchdown passing. He had a rushing touchdown, You know, he was escaping the pocket, stepping up in the pocket, sloppy tackling, way too many missed tackles. Hate what I saw from Darnell Savage Jr. It was like when Michael Jordan got crossed over by Allen Iverson. He snatched his ankles. That's what happened to Darnell Savage Jr. and Owens. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau on the defensive side of the ball was an absolute nightmare for the Giants against us. Had a sack, had a pass breakup, I believe. Also had that force fumble. He was damn good. And then uh, their rookie corner, I wish we had a guy like that. Deontay Banks, he was all over the field. He had a team-high 12 tackles, which usually isn't a good thing for a defensive back. But, you know, Green Bay really couldn't get anything going with the run game. Although A.J. Dillon made some big plays. Jordan Love just missed way too many throws in the first half, like the ones to A.J. Dillon underneath. Uh, but, again, this isn't all on Jordan Love. Special teams continues to be a nightmare. I thought we got the right guy. Right. Every year we do this with the special teams. Is it the coordinator? Is it the talent? Like, how is this an issue every single season? I texted Bart, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm not a Jordan Love hater. You could call me an Aaron Rodgers lover. I was a Brett Favre lover. I feel like it's going to be the same story with this organization with this team until the day I die, though, man. Like the quarterback play is going to be fine. The receiver play is going to be fine. The offense is going to do enough. But the defense at the end of the day or the special teams are going to let you down. That's a game that you got to win, man. I mean, and that's what scared me a little bit. you got this young team maybe buying into themselves a little bit too much, maybe reading the press clippings a little bit too much, and that's why I think LaFleur was pissed off. But at the end of the day, LaFleur can't be too pissed off at the players. He can, but he's got to be a little bit pissed off at himself. What the hell are we doing? I love the uh, jet sweep because I love Jaden Reed. It works for the touchdown first scoring drive of the game. But how many times are we going to run the damn thing? They saw it coming, right? I mean – didn't love the play calling, but also the guys didn't look prepared to play this game and they should have been prepared. It was a primetime standalone game, kind of a standalone game. We had the stupid doubleheader, which what the hell with were, t- were the Dolphins doing with their defense. But anyway, so not really happy, but at least I made money.
1: Okay. So a couple of different things. One, they're not going to win many games. If Jordan love looks like that, he just, he can't. And, and part of it is the defense. Fine. Part of the special teams. Fine. But he was missing throws that he has no business missing. Now, again, we talked about this a little bit on, on Monday after the, the game was over. Paul Breville and myself and Packers wire. Like, was, was it the wind causing issues? Were his hands cold? Like, what was going on? Because we've, I don't remember a game all year where he was missing wide open guys in a flat, like not even remotely close to guys in the flat, like all over the place. He looked awful. Now, so that that's the first thing, right? So he, he definitely gets some blame for me on this. The other thing is he, being Matt LaFleur, kind of quit running the football there in the fourth quarter. They just kind of abandoned the run uh, a little bit and, and kind of went away from it. I thought they could have had more success running the football. Patrick Taylor, who, again. Get out of bounds, dude. Thank you. Good God. Um, but he was the highest-graded offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus, for the Packers. Um, yeah, I got it
0: right now. He was good, yeah. Percent, he got, Right.
1: So yeah. if 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 he shows you something around the football, and he did, like I think only one time where he really didn't get anything. Every other time he touched the ball, he got positive yards—five yards, six yards. He got little little chunks here and there. Then use him more. Like go go back to using Taylor with AJ Dillon in the backfield, put a belt back there like it's Aaron Jones, uh, and give him something to think about back there. If Patrick Taylor shows that he can be a threat. Like if he goes in there and gets three or four good plays, like, okay, now we can change this up a little bit and expand what we want to do on the ground. I don't, I feel like kind of like, okay, we go in going, he's gonna get three to four carries, and that's all we're gonna do. That's it. Unless Dylan gets hurt, that's all he's playing is just this specialized area, uh, and that's the end of it. And I don't think you have to do that. And now they have Kenyon Drake, so Drake gets another week of practice, uh, and we'll see if he gets on the football field. and Then how much run they give him? I just don't think you have to pigeon your whole self into. Well, AJ Dylan's been here the longest, so we're going to give him all the touches. Like I just don't. I don't think you have to necessarily do that, Ryan. I think you can use different guys back there, and if one of them gets hot, just ride them. Just keep riding Patrick Taylor until they can show they can stop him at the, at some point, and instead you just bailed on him and then never went back to it.
0: Yeah, he was good, man. I mean, he was averaging seven yards per carry, so why did he only get four touches? You know, like why do you keep going back to the end around with Jaden Reed? Even A.J. Dillon, like, only had 15 carries for 52 yards, and sure, 3.9 per carry, but at the end of the game, that's when you wear down the defense. So I agree. That's I good. thought maybe they abandoned the run. Also, really quick, um... Uh I mean there's like a lot to get to. Uh the special teams is an absolute nightmare. Keyshawn Nixon is an absolute nightmare. Turns out he's not Devin Hester. Was terrible on the defensive side of the ball. Was even worse just trying to return punts. Uh felt like it was Ty Montgomery all over again or uh, name your guy. Uh who you know. Um, he's available.
1: And, he just got released.
0: And then, you know, I'm a big fan. I like the way that um Isaiah McDuffie plays. I, I do like him. I understand the why the LeCol- Bulls. I understand what – yeah, well, that's that's what he's out there for, dude. But um, Rashawn Gary, disappointing to me. You had no sacks in this game. Rashawn Gary played 39 snaps, two tackles, one solo. Like, no tackles for a loss. Like, I get DeVito could move a little bit, man, but no sacks against the Giants? Rashawn Gary's making how much money? You saw what Kayvon Thibodeau did. That's what I'm saying. Like, I like Rashawn Gary. This isn't a knock on Gary. He could go out and have three sacks. I absolutely love him. I just – it's like Kenny Clark. I just I hate these games where our dudes aren't Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt. I get that they're not those guys, but I just I want, I want Gary to be that guy, and we're paying him like he's one of those guys, right? They're not Hall
1: of Famers. Neither one of them. I mean, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt are probably Hall of Famers. I don't think these two guys are legit. You know, Hall of Fame type guys. They just haven't done it. Long enough, especially not long enough. And Clark's been doing it for a while, but I don't look at Kenny Clark and go, Oh, yeah, he's destined for the Hall of Fame. You look at Miles Garrett and go, oh. That dude's first ballot. Like oh, yeah. ain't no Aaron Donald, that dude's first ballot. You you know who these guys are, and he's he's not that, you know. And White goes down and Devontae White goes down, and Eggman and Buck are like, Oh, he's had such a great year. Hmm. I've been inconsistent as far as I'm concerned. But again, you've got two defensive linemen that have played well when they've come in. So when he went out, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I, it didn't bother me at all that he was going out. I thought they had two guys more than capable of replacing with Brooks and Wooden not come in there uh, and and do their job. Uh, probably as good, if not better, than what Devontae Wyatt has looked to this point of the year. So that didn't really bother me. But the 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 thing to me that we start talking about this defense and how this looks and all these young guys and no mm-hmm. Jair Alexander out there. And I saw people tweeting, well, if Jair was out there uh, you know, maybe they win this game. I don't think it would have mattered if Jair was out there. That yeah. wasn't the reason. You, you didn't get torched for like 175 by a single receiver. What's he going to do? Make beat, a tackle? Yeah, okay. you, got, you got beat by all facets. It wasn't like he was going to tackle Barkley. I wasn't. Yeah. Well, he probably wouldn't even be able to tackle DeVito at this point, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, so f- from that perspective, I just don't know. Even if Jair plays, I don't know if it makes a, that big of a difference. Now, if Aaron Jones plays and Watson plays... That's different. Then I think, okay, now if Jordan Love's not going good early, you could turn to Jones and create some big plays, whether runs or screen passes or whatever. Uh, but Jair Alexander, with all due respect, I, I don't think a cornerback, unless it's Dion, he's not that, uh, it makes a big difference in that specific game. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, well, we're going to get to this, so I'll hold off on that next take about kind of where I think this team's heading, unfortunately. But, man, that's... That's a disappointing loss. Uh, You got to take care of business against the Giants and Tommy DeVito. Like, I know that this is a fun story because he's Italian and his agent, you know, was dressed like a a member of the Sopranos, but Tommy DeVito is no good. He's, he's terrible. Yeah. People
1: said this about Purdy last year too. And I'm not saying he's Purdy. I'm just saying until we see him for a full season as a starter, Let's just wait and see. He has no true number one wide receiver on that team. Him out playing Jordan Love is a little concerning, I'll say. but I'm not worried about it. I said last week during the week that they were going to stumble and they were going to lose against a team that they shouldn't lose to. It was bound to happen with a young team that was going to start feeling themselves at some point. And in my opinion, that's kind of what happened. But even though it happened, you still had the lead with a minute 33 to go. You played like crap in all three areas of your football team, and you had the lead with a minute 33 to go with a chance to win it, and you couldn't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: Maybe I'm the a-hole here, but I'm watching the game, right? Third and nine, soft zone defense, and Tommy DeVito puts the ball right where it needs to be. First down, they clear everybody out. They go empty. Tommy DeVito, quarterback draw. I I get it. Um, Like, if he's killing you or he has 71 rushing yards and he looks like vanilla Vic out there, at what point do you go quarterback? (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: At what point? They did, though. If you get to, when you get to the second half you'll see yeah, was Campbell great. Campbell eventually sits in the middle of the field and waits on him or tries to wait on him. They did eventually do that with a spy in the second half, I think.
0: Maybe yeah. maybe they maybe they win that game if Quay plays.
1: Uh maybe, but again, Quay against the run is not all that great. Quay against anything isn't that great. None of these guys are great. That's the
0: problem. Who's great on the defensive side of the ball? Who do you enjoy watching other than Rashawn Gary once every three weeks against an NFC North divisional opponent?
1: Yeah, Rashawn Gary. Yeah, that's the guy. And- I like I like
0: Jair still, but like, is he ever going to play?
1: I like Engleberry. I I think you know, but again, same thing, consistency type stuff. You know, when he gets going in a game, he's fun to watch. Fifty-five. I like him. Uh but but yeah, but no, there's but like you said, you're looking for a Hall of Famer, which they definitely do not have like AJ Hawk would lead the team in tackles every year. There's nothing exciting about watching AJ Hawk play. Uh but he was out there and you know he did his job when he was out there, so it is what it is. All right, take yeah. a quick time out, come back. I want to talk about Joe Barry. Uh, and really, how responsible is Joe Barry for these losses? We'll do that coming up next. Curd and Long, download it on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast at. Check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, where we uh, stream this bad boy live, and we record them Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then it's down or uploaded, I guess. You can listen to the audio version of it by 5 p.m. Central Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Back after this on Curd and Long. Hey, it's C e. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM The Fan, along with my guy Ryan Horvat, at MGM Tonight Weeknights, along with Trister Crick and Nick Ashu on the BetQL Network. Watch the games, listen to these guys, get some in-game betting advice, get some advice on betting for the West Coast games, all that fun stuff. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Horvath, and you can follow me at Sparky Radio. And, of course, download this bad boy on your Odyssey app or we download your favorite podcast At We said before the break we wanted to get into a a little bit uh, about talking about our guy, Joe Barry. How much blame does Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry truly deserve for the Packers' losses? Ryan Horvath, I saw you kind of tweeting about your dislike for Mr. Barry and so forth. We've talked about Joe Barry all year, all last year as well. Uh, How much blame does Joe Barry truly deserve for the Packers' losses in your mind?
0: Before I even get to Joe Barry, uh, the special teams coordinator's got to go. Special
1: teams. Rich Versace?
0: Rich, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the and anybody else, like, that's on his, like, little watch, too. You know what I mean? Like, they all got to go because I thought we were going to play better athletes, this and that. Every year it's an issue, and they're 20th right now in the National Football League and special teams, and that's just not going to fly for me. Defense, middle of the road, right? 15th. Packers still can't really tackle. They can't really stop the run, but they're decent against the pass. You know, they play this soft zone coverage, which I hate. Um, But, hell, I mean, like, it confused Patrick Mahomes a couple weeks ago. I just, I think that says everything about his wide receivers right now. So, like, Joe Barry um, isn't good, right? Here's how, I mean, um, like, Brandon Staley is not a good defensive mind, turns out, or head coach. because We know that because the Chargers have been – getting worse and worse every year defensively since he's taken over and they have Bosa and Mac and all these dudes. And you even see it like they get JC Jackson. He sucks. Then he goes back to new England and he's playing like an all pro again, right? Like good coordinators, I think can turn around a defense. What was your favorite move? The Minnesota Vikings made this off season? They didn't really do a whole lot. If anything, they kind of lost some guys. They lost Zadarius Zadarius Smith. Jeez. I can't talk today, but like, you know, and they got a guy like Danny Hunter, but, um, their defense went from being one of the worst pass defenses in the league that gave up 300 passing yards to Daniel Jones twice last season. He only did that three times last season. Two of them came against Minnesota. Now they have a top 10 defense. They just won a football game 3-0. You think the Packers will ever win a game 3 nothing? So Brian Flores steps in, and he's that dude. Joe Barry is not that dude. And here's the thing that pisses me off about Joe Barry, right? There's never any adjustments and people always are quick to be like, got to make adjustments, got to make adjustments, right? Like Mike Budenholzer, you know, in the NBA, Budenholzer never makes adjustments. Certain people are wishing they had Mike Budenholzer now, but like the adjustments can be made. You just need the right coordinator. McDonald for Baltimore, right? Sometimes they play a bunch of man. Sometimes they play a bunch of zone. I'm not the biggest Wink fan because Wink does the same BS every single week, right? No matter who he has for talent,
1: he always does the same stuff.
0: You can't do that against guys like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. You're going to, they're going to score 40 points against you. So I like coordinators, head coaches, coaches that, you know, adapt that they script, they game plan for competition. It's not the same nonsense every week. And Joe Barry, it's the soft zone every week. And he doesn't make adjustments really until it's too late. So I do put a lot of the blame on Joe Barry. All these losses aren't on Joe Barry. Some of them are on the floor. Some of them were on the offense. A lot of them were just like, "Hey, it's not Joe Barry's fault. These guys can't tackle." Darnell Savage Monday night was terrible. Uh, You know, he he couldn't make a tackle to save his life. Owen, same thing. But yeah, Barry's got to go. You got to make a change. So,
1: okay, so I I see all the Joe Barry hate on social media and all that. If you listen to Matt LaFleur this week and his pressers this week leading up to this, after he watches the tape, or it's not tape anymore, but after he watches the game, I always say tape. I say tape still. I say tape. I know. Okay. I'm watching tape right now. Right After he watches the digital copy of the game, whatever, uh, he said that, A, like you said, missed tackles, where there were a couple of times where you had a guy in the hole and he misses the tackle. Then you have a safety coming up and he takes the wrong angle and misses the tackle. Um, So that type of stuff has to get cleaned up. But I, I'm here to tell you, and I, I'm i sure Ryan probably could find that Pro Football because I don't go on that website. But I'm sure there is a tackle to or a stat as far as defenses and missed tackles. Like, who's the best defense in the league and not missing tackles? And then who's the worst in the league? And really, how many missed tackles are separating the top to the bottom? Like, is it 10 total for the whole year? Is it five? Is it eight? Like, how big of a gap is there? Because I think the national football league in general has a missing tackle problem across the board. And you could say that comes down to, because you don't have as many live tackling periods in training camp. You don't have as much practice time in the off season as you were allowed to before, because the, the, the players association decided we don't need to do all this practice and we get paid millions of dollars. I don't want to work that hard. I only want to do uh, uh, as little as possible when we get to training camp, whatever the case may be. I think that's a huge issue. Okay. That's number one. Number two, When you hear LaFleur talk about what happened in the last minute 33, they were in man-to-man coverage several times. It looked like zone. The one play to Wendell Robinson down the right sidelines where that chunk play happened, he said that was Rudy Ford's guy, I want to say. I think that's who it was. Or no, Keyshawn Nixon's guy. Maybe it was Nixon.
0: Yeah, Keyshawn
1: Nixon's guy. He wasn't anywhere close to him, and it was Man. He said, "Then there were other opportunities where guys were—they were, were supposed to be according to the design of the defense. They were—they were doing the wrong thing." He said, "Guys just have to do their jobs, what they're asked." So then, a reporter followed up and said, "Matt, well, okay, so you're saying they're playing man to man?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Why are you playing five to eight yards off?" Is like, "Is that a player decision or is that a coach's decision?" He said, "Well, we got to get that fixed." Didn't answer the question. So then he repeated it back. He goes, "Okay, so then." This is how it was kind of designed. Then, as far as how you want to play man to man or whatever, yeah. and then he kind of went on to talk about how you know we just we can't play that way. So they were in man to man, even though it looked like, based on how far off they were playing and so forth, that it was apparently zone. And then you got dudes not being in the right spot at the right time and everything else. Now, I want to take it a step further. When we talked about this offense, and I'm guilty, of so I, I'm pointing at myself. And we heard guys were running the wrong routes guys weren't doing the right things. And we said, well, they're young. Like it's going to happen, whatever they're going to figure this out eventually. Okay. So we didn't, well, I didn't, I shouldn't say we, I didn't blame LaFleur. I just blamed youth, but on the defense, these are all veteran players for the most part. I mean, Keyshawn Nixon's been in the league for a while, Right? I mean, these guys aren't all rookies. You had a couple rookie defensive linemen. Fine. Now, corner is different, right? Valentine's a rookie. He's trying to figure it out. So is it Joe Barry's fault that they're missing tackles? Is it Joe Barry's fault that guys aren't running the plays that he's calling correctly and aren't in the correct positions? Or is it on the players for all of the above? And if somebody else was here, we'd have the same damn issues because I'm telling you, we went through capers. It was capers. season, moron. Then we went to Mike Pettine. It's Mike Pettine. He's a moron. And now we're on Joe Barry, and it's Joe Barry is a moron. And now again, we go hire Bill Belichick and bring Belichick in here, or we bring Sally in here, who both are outstanding defensive coordinators. And if the same thing happens again, to where we're missing tackles, we don't know the plays. Are we going to say Belichick sucks and was overrated in New England? Oh, yeah. Saly what he did in San Francisco and the Jets and defense, ah, that's crap. Now we truly know he's not that good because he can't coach the Packers defense. See, that's where I struggle with saying, oh, it's all on Joe Barry. I'm not saying the man is great at his job or he's a top defensive coordinator. I just feel like there's more going on here than people are talking about. Well, then if it's not
0: on Joe Barry, then it's on Brian Gutekinds. And what I talk about, you know, in in the talent that he's evaluating, the talent that he's bringing in through the draft, the talent that he's bringing in through free agency, because it's either like, hey, this scheme is fine. This scheme works. If that's what Matt LaFleur thinks or whatever, then Goody's scheme of, picking guys in the draft and evaluating talent through free agency, picking these guys up off the streets. Like these guys just aren't it. And a lot of it, you know, and I get also like, he can't help the fact that Jair is not playing right now or that he drafted Eric Stokes and he hasn't been healthy since nope. really year one. You know what I mean? So there are injuries, but and Quay didn't play the other night. There's not, but still like Can you got to have games. You can't see, like you can't have those excuses. Man, Savage because, like, miss games. Right. Like, um, you know, like, the Baltimore Ravens have injuries every single season in the secondary, and they don't just completely fall off. You know what I mean? I mean yep. that's why you need depth at these positions: corner, you know, safety, and whatnot. Um, and so it's either Joe Barry's no good; he needs to go because his scheme ain't it, or you know, Goode's got to go. And I don't really feel very com. I, I feel. I feel like it's probably more possible. It's—I mean, obviously, there's there's a better chance that Joe Barry's gone next year, but I don't even know that that's going to happen. He's not gone.
1: No way. They make the playoffs. There's no way. We'll talk about playoffs. We'll talk about expectations. That's coming up next here. Kurt and Long, downloading your Odyssey app. Download wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We stream these bad boys. Normally, we record right around noon Central, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then it's uploaded by 5 p.m. Central on those days. So listen to you. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Like. Subscribe. Get those notifications. Ring that bell. Do all that fun stuff that they tell you to do on all these other podcasts. Back after this on Kurt and Long. It's Kurt and Long. See Sparky Fiber, along with Ryan Horvath. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. You can follow him at Ryan Horvath. Bet MGM tonight, weeknights, Monday through Friday. Follow along with the game. Have them on in the background. Get some in-game betting advice. Look ahead to the West Coast games as well. Get some betting advice there too. And they're highly, highly entertaining. Outside of Trista Crick, when she gets on her Golden State Warriors talk, then I I can't handle it. Uh, Also, you can check out uh, 1250amthefan.com for all the different interviews I do throughout the week as well. All right, Ryan Horvath, Packers lose to the Giants after winning three straight. Backer fans, in usual fashion, think the world is ending. The season's over because they lost the game uh, and didn't look great, even though they had the lead with a minute 33 left. I ask you, because expectations have been changing throughout the year for this team. uh, I ask you, uh, have expectations changed for you, Uh, for the end of the season based on Monday Night Football and their loss, knowing four games ahead are all teams that aren't very good.
0: Well, man, I'm watching this final drive, and it looks like they are in man here, and Keyshawn Nixon just gets absolutely, like you said, just freaking torched. Like, what is he even looking at anyway? Yeah, my expectations have changed because, like, that was a game that you had to take advantage of because I actually think they lose to the Bears. I think the Bears are going to get them. I think the Bears... Lost that game, you know, week one, and they were all hyped up for the season. They believed that maybe this could be their year, and Justin Fields was their guy. And it turns out wasn't their year, and it turns out Justin Fields probably ain't their guy because, like, Justin Fields to me hasn't shown enough to the Bears are going to have the number one pick because the Panthers are a disaster. Correct. Justin Fields is fine, right? Like he might end up being an All Pro, but dude, if you're Ryan Poles, you'd be insane not to draft Caleb Williams unless you're a Drake A guy.
1: What do you get for him? Do you get a two for Fields?
0: I, well, what, you know what? I, look at, look hey, at the Falcons.
1: Wouldn't they make a deal for Fields yeah, over
0: Ritter? Say, like, yeah, because like Atlanta's probably not going to be bad enough for Caleb or Drake. Right. So maybe and we got to wait and see, though. I don't know if JJ McCarthy comes out. Also, JJ McCarthy hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks.
1: I saw a tweet today. I forgot what NFL guy said it. But uh, in league circles, they're saying McCarthy's going to go much higher than people are mocking him at. So Yeah, oh, that I, is.
0: Like, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, though, before I would take Justin Fields in a trade, at like 25, whatever he'll be, I would take Jaden Daniels if I could get him. And I'm not just saying that because he won me a bunch of money. He's Lamar Jackson light. He's a more accurate Lamar Jackson. He's just a more skinny version, so he's going to have to slide and get out of bounds and not take a beating. But he's good. I think he might end up being the best quarterback in this draft. And that features Caleb Williams and uh, my guy, Drake May. He's, he's freaking good, dude. And we're doing the same thing we did with Lamar. We're not anymore. Like some people were saying that he's not a quarterback. He got to play receiver, but um, I don't see that. So yeah, I mean, that that's why I thought that they had to win this game. And I know it's on the road, but it's against Tommy DeVito and the Giants. And I thought the Giants were going to be trying to tank as you know, lose as many games as possible. So they could get a Drake May or a Michael Penix or whatever quarterback they want. Cause Tommy DeVito's not the guy and, Daniel Jones is definitely not the guy. Tommy DeVito right now looks better than Daniel Jones. So I worry a little bit about that Bears game, the way that they're trending down the stretch, and I think that's going to be a must-win game. I worry a little bit about the Minnesota game because both defenses right now are playing lights out. The Vikings just pitched a shutout, and the Bears all of a sudden, nobody's talking about this, they're top 10 against the run. The secondary's actually been playing much better, and you have Eberflus, coaching for his job. He wants to coach the next guy that'll be there at the number one pick. And you have Justin Fields playing for his career because he wants to at least start somewhere else, you know, so he's got a ball out here. So that one scares me. Vikings scare me. I just, I thought you really had to have this one against the Giants. Then you're a seven win team. You're sitting right in that wild card spot. And then you could have your letdown spot here the next couple weeks against a divisional opponent. I felt like this is a team you had to beat. They're no good, man.
1: I, I, I think three and two was probably the most legitimate thing here on the way out. So if they win three more games, that's nine wins, nine and eight. And I think nine and eight is going to to be that last wild card. That's my thought. Because if you look at all the teams they're tied with, none of them are probably going to run the table, I don't think. Now, if somebody does run the table and they have 10 wins and you miss the playoffs at nine wins, fine. But nine wins and Jordan Love's first year as a starter considering – Most of this fan base thought they were going to win three or four games three or four weeks ago. That is a hell of a run. In fact, take it a step farther. And I've heard this come up now. In fact, Nick Hostos brought it up uh, with uh, Bart Winkler and CBS Sports Radio the other day. He said, if this team makes the playoffs, Matt LaFleur is going to have a chance at coach of the year. I mean, think about that, Ryan Horvath. If they make the playoffs, he thinks, not that he'll win it, but he'll probably be in the conversation for coach of the year. I disagree. I think D'Amico
0: Ryans is going to be the coach of the year. No, so no, 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 no.
1: Just that he's in the conversation, you know, top three, top four coaches that you're talking about that are deserving. I think he might be there because they're the youngest offense in the national football league. They were left for dead in the middle of the year. They've had a ton of injuries they've had to overcome. And if they went nine games and make the playoffs, that's something. If he wins double digit games and they win 10, right. And they win out. Oh my God. Like that. That's amazing. That Goots gonna get an extension. LaFleur's gonna get an extension. Yeah, it's all good. Joe Barry might get an extension. I
0: I completely disagree with the coach of the year market. Please, I I mean you guys could bet that if you want, but D'Amico Ryans, Sean, Sean Payton, you gotta look at like nobody cares, man. Like LaFleur NFC. Year one, LaFleur and the team won 13 games, and everybody was talking about Aaron Rodgers being broken. Remember, Rodgers year one wasn't that great. It was like, no, it was hey, we're finally using Aaron Jones. Hey, this team finally spent some money on some pass rushers. They won 13 games, and nobody cared. You know what I mean? I just – I'm not trying to – I just – I I feel like, you know, now that Aaron's gone, um, I, I I just – I don't know. I, I, I feel like they would look at it like, hey, Jordan Love's not a rookie.
1: This team's not all that great. Who's and, your guy in the NFC? In the NFC, who, give me your top three coaches this year in the NFC. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, I would give over
0: the ward over Matt Lafleur. He he had Kirk Cousins and the Vikings playing pretty good football, like you said, left for dead, right? They made they took a defense that was thirty second against the pass. Now and a pruned. top ten defense. They yep. just won a game three to zero where Josh Dobbs stunk, got benched. They had to bring in Nick Mullins. Not even Kyle Shanahan. The QB whisper could win with Nick Mullins, and they won that game 3-0. And if, they make the playoffs, up, if they, they make lost, the playoffs, I agree. They lost Justin Jefferson, yep. right? They moved on from Delvin Cook, even though he's no good. You know, people don't know that. People don't watch ball. Uh, the offensive line was terrible last year outside the top 20. So, you know, I would have to go him. Uh, Sean right. McVay, the, the Rams were projected to win four games this
1: season. If they could make the, the playoffs. I think you have oh. to be in the playoffs to win coach of the year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think whoever wins coach of the year is gonna have to be in the postseason. Like I'm, Philly, no, San Francisco, no. Those are all expectations. Dallas, no, that's all expected. Like those guys to me, those three, Siriani, uh, and um, uh, whatchamacallit? Shanahan and McCarthy. I don't think they win because those are all they're doing all the stuff that was expected of them. Oh, Mike McCarthy.
0: Spark Mike McCarthy. I think Dallas might end up winning the I NFC.
1: Said they were going to the Super Bowl before the season.
0: Yeah. So, like Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore is gone. Everybody was like, "Oh, the game's passed. Mike McCarthy by." And now, not only do you have one of the top defenses in the league, you have the top offense, and they're doing they're doing trick plays that actually work. Yeah. Their end rounds actually work. Mm-hmm. Ceedee Lamb looks like a number one wide receiver. Brandon Cooks hasn't looked this good in years. They have no run game. Tony Pollard is not an every down back and Dak looks like the MVP of the league right now. How about McCarthy getting some love? It's either Dak's the MVP or McCarthy's coach of the year. I'm not saying it's like a bad costos take or anybody that bets the market's dumb. I'm just saying, like, I feel like it would be – because, like, these football, like, guys that think they like no ball, like Warren Sharp, like, four weeks ago they were writing articles, Green Bay has a coaching problem. LaFleur needs to be fired. I just don't know that that's escaped everybody's memory yet, whereas, like – you know what I mean? Some of these teams in the AFC, Sean Payton is a flashy name, and Russ Wilson really look like dump. They might sneak into the playoffs. You know, I'll be I'm fine with the floor getting
1: it. Dan I'm Campbell not saying wins. he's gonna win it, I'm just saying he's gonna Campbell be in the conversation.
0: And Dan Campbell wins it. I'm no longer a fan of this. No, league. Dan Campbell it. is so no. overrated. I yeah, can't wait yeah. till Ben Johnson leaves and the Lions go back to being the Lions. Ben,
1: ben Johnson's getting a bunch of flack in Detroit right now. Right now, I say is he even good? <laughs> yeah, Ben Johnson's getting some questions thrown his way in Detroit right now by uh, by how things are being used. And now they're saying they're going to use Jameson Williams more uh, going forward. So I bet you you'll start to see more re- more more reverses for him and trying to get him more touches in a game. We'll see. Hey. Here's the
0: thing, uh, really quick on that. I don't want to overreact to that because I don't know that it's Ben Johnson. I think he'll be fine. I think he's still like the next big thing as a head coach. Be head I'd head coach. Him. Yep. I think it's Goff, and I think it's like the last couple matchups. I've been betting against Detroit. I actually like Detroit this weekend against the Broncos because Detroit's at home in the Dome. Goff's a great quarterback when he's at home in the Dome with a strong run game, all of his weapons. He sucks when he's on the road, when he's pressured and he's throwing the ball into the wind and into crappy conditions. You know, he doesn't have the best arm. And that's why I think this might be the last year for Goff. I would rather, like, see what you have in Hendon Hooker. I just, I don't think he could get you to that next level. He's shown that he can. He got the Rams, went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, couldn't get them past the next level. And then Stafford went there and they won Super Bowl, a Super Bowl year one. Goff, like... Yeah, I mean, he just – because look at the teams they would have to beat, right? San Francisco on the yeah. road. At least it's warm weather. Philadelphia on the road. Good luck. Dallas on the road. It's not happening.
1: All right, there he is. Ryan Horvath will come back. We'll do this again Friday. We'll look ahead to Packers and Buccaneers. The Buccaneers game was the one that – that was the one I thought – that they would slip up and look horrible and lose. That was the game I thought was going to happen because you come off of a money night win, you're four wins in a row, now it's just a new game at Lambeau. You go, ah, it's the Buccaneers, we got this. Um, and now I think, I, I feel pretty good about it. The other thing you didn't bring up is, I picked them to beat the Giants, and you yelled at me when I did it. Yeah. And you're like, you're going to jinx them, you idiot. What are you doing? Don't do that. Pick them to win, and then I, I obviously did jinx them, so I apologize. I uh, meant do- to
0: tell you about it, but I forgot, so you're yep. lucky.
1: So there you go. That's another edition of Kurt and Law. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Toodles.